As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 158 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 158 strikeouts for Ryan Vogelsong in 2012, which just gives me an excuse to remind the world how ludicrous it was that he didn't win Comeback Player of the Year in 2011. He didn't? Are you serious? No. Yeah, it was Lance Berkman. Yeah, it was it like it should he had a comeback season that should have made the award get renamed to the Ryan Vogelsong Comeback Player of the Year Excellence Award or something like that. It should have been named after him. He didn't even win it in 2011. Yeah, I kind of maybe there's a bias if, if you win Comeback Player of the Year but you're not really coming back because you were never really a, a, an established star. To begin with, I mean, it's not like Ryan Vogelsong was an all-star at any point before he went to Japan and spent, you know, six years or whatever outside of the major league. So there's probably a bias against him there. But yeah, when it comes to comeback stories, there are very few I can think of in Giants lore that that uh, match up with that. And and you know, it's funny he was on the field and we saw him the other day uh, in Atlanta because he lives in the Atlanta area now. And his son Ryder is almost as tall as I am, and I'm like, this is this is nuts. You, you, you were like, you were like four last time I looked at you. What's happening? So uh, time marches on. Oh, I could talk about Ron Vogelsong all day, mostly because that would allow me to ignore what's going on with the Giants. Uh, as of this recording, the Giants, this is it. This is like their first kind of gnarly patch of the season. In a lot of respects, it's great that it's happening. In you know, it didn't happen until September. At the same time. It's a gnarly rough patch that they're in right now. Yeah. So, like, how would you kind of describe the? I always confuse these if it's ethos or pathos or whatever of, of the fan base right now because I kind of I, I kind of feel like you know 
we have these pretty ingrained expectations on what this season was supposed to look like and that the Dodgers were supposed to win the division. And maybe if anybody challenged him, it would be the Padres. And, you know, we're, we're kind of conditioned uh, as human beings to look for um, the evidence that points you toward what you were expecting in the first place. So, you know, when that evidence is, okay, now we're down to a half a game for the first time since uh, uh, July 6th. The Dodgers are just right there behind them, and they're coming in San Francisco this weekend. This is the end of it. This is what we all knew was going to happen. It doesn't necessarily have to be what happens, uh, but, um, yeah, it is kind of funny how there's a lot of cognitive biases going on, and and it's the Dodgers, of course, and, and yeah, as much as uh, I think Giants fans might be like, hey, this season's all gravy. There are three World Series in the not-too-distant past. We should feel good about our lot in life. It's been a wildly entertaining season. There's still this thought of, well, but it is the Dodgers, and they just won a World Series, and now they're trying to win one over a full season. So, yeah, I, I totally get why there would be a, I think when I was on the morning show on KMBR today, I called it an emotional stew uh, kind of simmering for Giants fans right now. There's there's a lot going on. Yeah, it is. It, it There's a lot. It, both things can be true. So if you do like it and it's a wonderful life thing and go back uh, to someone in March and say, listen, the Giants are going to be in first place at the start of September. You will like pawn all of your worldly possessions to make that happen. Like that is just such an outlandish best case scenario compared to preseason expectations. And look, it's true. The Giants are technically in first place. Uh, it's just there was such a uh, complacency in that they never had this rough uh, patch. It was the opening series against the Mariners was like the last really rough patch that they had. They lost a series against the Pirates. They lost a series against the Cardinals. But there was nothing extended, nothing that made you think, uh-oh, no-oh. You know, this is the first time that uh-oh has kind of entered into the lexicon. And I think a little bit a little bit of it is unfair because you're talking about a road trip in Atlanta. You're talking about going against the Brewers, who are a very good team. Oh, and it's their two best starting pitchers. Like, it, it, everything's kind of been set up against the Giants in the last week. At the same time, like it, it sure doesn't look great. It doesn't make, it doesn't inspire confidence. It's just the Giants aren't playing really good baseball right now. Yeah, and that's one of the most amazing parts of this Giants season is that they really haven't had a losing month. They haven't had even close to a losing month. And, you know, they, they finished uh, August uh, with another winning record. They're the first team in the National League since the 1942 Brooklyn Dodgers to have over a 600 winning percentage in each of the first five months of a season. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. So that tells you it's almost unprecedented what they've done. And so you lose four out of five. And by the way, you lose them to the Braves in Atlanta in the humidity. And now you lose two games to the Brewers with probably two of the best five pitchers in the National League on the mound. It's not exactly cause for huge alarm or concern given the context. But the fact that we haven't seen this all year, they haven't really lost four out of five virtually all season. Um, it, it sort of makes you wonder, okay, is this, uh, have we reached sort of the, the apex of the roller coaster and is it all downhill from here? Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but, you know, you combine that with Alex Wood's positive COVID test to go along with Donovan Solano's, the fact that, you know, Johnny Cueto came back and didn't necessarily have a very strong start. Um, there are some cracks there in the foundation and, and, you know, you combine that with the fact the Dodgers are right there and haven't gone away. I mean, yeah, it's, I can definitely sense why there'd be quite a bit of either worry or pessimism or a mix of both um, kind of going on right now. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's funny, like the, the dichotomy of what's going on here. The Giants were 19 and 9 in August. It wasn't just like a good month. It was their best month of like the best possible year they could be having. So their August was outstanding. The road trip they just came back from also outstanding. Uh, You know, they won six games. They had an East Coast swing mixed in there. They were playing mostly contenders. I mean, depending on how you want to classify the Mets, I'm still going to consider them a contender. Uh, So they've been doing really, really well. It's easy to freak out over four out of the last five games. It's just that these last five games combined with all the news, you have uncertainty with uh, 60% of the rotation, uh, 80% if you're concerned about Kevin Gosman. It just it's looked so bad combined with the flurry of news. Uh, I think it's just it's the perfect storm of panic right now. Yeah, and probably the best thing that they could do is get a really good start from Kevin Gossman and follow that up with Logan Webb doing you know what Logan Webb has been doing for the last dozen thirteen starts and and they split the series with Milwaukee and, and maybe uh, uh, maybe the Braves do a little bit of a favor to to Giants fans and. Jock Peterson it hits eight home runs in the next two days, and and you become a huge Jock Peterson fan while watching him do that against the Dodgers. And, and maybe it isn't a half a game. Maybe the, the the Giants can can find a way to to add on a little bit before they start this weekend series. But um, yeah, you know, either way, it's it's you know that you're not going to see Gosman or Webb against the Dodgers unless they find a way to you know bump bump Webb back. Uh, so the, those pitching issues that you're all concerned about. That, that part of the rotation is going to come up again, uh, and it's going to come up in the very last uh, head-to-head series that these two teams will play against each other. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where all the chips fall and, and where, um, you know, the Giants are after they finish with L.A. And then, by the way, have to go play three at Coors Field, starting with a Monday day game. Um, so not like it's going to get a ton easier, um, but uh, this is we all knew when we saw this homestand uh, that this was going to be one of the biggest tests of the season, and um, you know the, the 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 hardest some of the hardest questions they had to answer on that test were right in these first two games, and um, you know they they didn't really have a whole lot of, of avenues to be able to score runs against two really good pitchers, and you know obviously the the COVID test is uh, COVID issues are 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 a concern, um, and this thing has not gone away. It's you know look at the Red Sox and what they're going through right now too. So. Um, but I, I think by by this time next week, we'll probably have a much better read and uh, on on just where this division's going to go. Yeah, if there's any, if the schedule has a real cruel quirk to it, it's that the day off comes 
after Coors Field, not before. They're not getting a Monday day off, a three-game series in Colorado, and then flying to uh, Chicago. They have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then the day off as they fly to Chicago. I just can't imagine what that uh, bullpen is going to look like uh, as they enter Coors Field after a series against the Dodgers uh, without a lot of help. And so it's going to take uh, Sammy Long, what he did against the Braves, uh, Yeoman's work that allowed the Giants to get their bullpen game going after the Alex Wood uh, diagnosis. Like that was huge. They're going to need more Sammy Long type of performances, more just depth out of uh, some key guys like Zach Littell and and pitchers like that if they're going to weather that storm. Yeah, and you know, they're going to add a couple players. Uh, They'll probably have added them by the time this uh, podcast is available to uh, tickle your eardrums. So, um, you know, I I would imagine that, you know, we were thinking it would be a pitcher and a position player. It might actually be two pitchers. Um, And we know that they're going to continue to cycle people up and down uh, the roster in September. It's going to be very different from the Septembers that we've encountered in the past. And I know we've talked about that too. So um, yeah, I I would anticipate we're going to see a lot more player movement, um, you know, going forward. And even look at the Dodgers. I mean, they were making deals uh, up until, uh, you know, basically midnight yesterday, uh, the 31st of August, which is the last day you can acquire someone from outside your organization and they would be eligible to be put on a potential postseason roster. Uh, And they're making minor league trades to add, you know, more AAA guys from the Twins. You can trade minor leaguers, uh, people who aren't on 40-man rosters, and that's what the Dodgers were doing. They're still trying to add more arms. Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, if you know the Dodgers feel like they might not have enough pitching, then you know that nobody feels secure that they might have enough pitching. So, you know, that's, I think, maybe going to be one of the biggest factors uh, from this point forward is, um, you know, whose arms stay the freshest and most effective. Uh, and that doesn't just go for the NLS, but really everybody. Uh, because even if the Giants can get find a way to get into you know, um, uh, win, either win the division or, or, or win the, the wild card knockout game and, and get into a playoff series. You know, we talked about, you know, innings and, and, and how nobody knows how pitchers are going to respond after last year's short season. Well, you know, take someone like Logan Webb. He's going to be right around his career high in innings at the end of the regular season. He's their best pitcher. Now you're going to rely on him to basically be your go-to guy through what you hope are multiple levels of the postseason. And, you know, how, how ready will he be for that? Uh, what are the effects going to be? So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, I think pitching management is going to be really, really important for every team going forward. And the Giants are making moves. Uh, they signed Jose Quintana, or not signed, but they claimed him off waivers from the Angels. Uh, I am just about to file my thoughts on this, the uh, waiver claim. I like it. I think there's a a lot of ceiling in there. I also think, uh, talking to you a little bit uh, off air, that this was going to happen regardless of Alex Wood's test, that it was more a response to, uh, you know, Desclafani's ankle or just general uncertainty, general depth needs. Uh, I think this was going to happen anyway, but that's, it's a big name having a lousy season, and I like the Giants' ability to get value out of that kind of description. Yeah, and he certainly, you know, pitched very, very well in relief of Johnny Cueto and even got a hit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was quite unexpected. It was probably the only time the fans really got to cheer yesterday um, in, in what was otherwise not a great loss. Uh, so, um, but you know what? I, I do think I agree with you. I think they would have gotten uh, Quintana regardless of the Wood uh, positive COVID test. The one thing that might be different is, 
you know, it's it surprised me a little bit that he went through all the way through waivers. Uh, the Giants basically had last waiver priority here um, to, to get him. So no other team claimed him. I wonder if the Giants would have also not claimed him, but then maybe if he'd been, uh, you know, outrighted after that, then they might have tried just signing him. That way they're not on the hook for the remainder of the salary, which is, you know, a little more than $1.5 million, like $1.6, $1.7 million, uh, which, you know, is, is a fairly significant amount of money for, you know, basically what's going to be a month of, you know, who knows what, perhaps long relief or spot start usage. I mean, that 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 is a, a fair chunk of change to pay for that. And uh, um, But I think that after the Wood positive COVID test, you know, I'm not sure if that changed their their thought at all, or, or made made this seem like it was a move they had to make versus a move that they kind of wanted to make. Um, but it definitely turned into a move that they kind of had to make. Um, and you know, maybe he's uh, they're able to unlock something, and or maybe he he's just going to pitch better with a little more motivation. Uh, you, you never know. Um, but it, it's it's good to have a place to pivot to. And you know, we've talked about whether it's Tyler Chatwood or Matt Shoemaker. Uh, I think a lot of these guys, you know, Scott Casimir were kind of brought in as more or less a coupon they can use one-time use and then uh, you know you can't you can't really option them so once you have another roster need after you've used them to soak up some innings then you DFA them and then you know maybe they're outrighted and they go back to AAA but maybe they don't uh, in this case Quintana when you're paying that guy that amount of money he's he's the guy who's going to be here for the rest of the season that I'm, I'm pretty confident of that yeah that's exactly true and I I do think that it is entirely the reason he went unclaimed is that salary I mean you're still talking about uh, declining attendance for a lot of teams uh, the Giants for example they were able to get Luis Gonzalez the outfielder uh, from the White Sox. He's uh, 26 years old, not quite a prospect, but he's not not a prospect, right? He's going to be injured all year. He's on the 60-day IL with a torn labrum. The White Sox wanted to keep him, but because he was on the 40-man roster, they had to pay him, uh, you know, uh, the ma- major league minimum, I believe. So they were going to be out a couple hundred thousand. They thought he could sneak through waivers because no team wanted to pay him a couple hundred thousand. That's how many pennies these teams are pinching. And I think, you know, like you said, one point. 5 million for Quintana. I think that was just too much for most teams and the Giants must believe in him at least a little bit in order to pay that kind of money to a guy who's going to make some spot starts, some long relief. Uh, they must be pretty confident if they're going to be, uh, pay him that much money. Yeah, you know, you've seen this. I mean, as much as the Giants are efficient, they're not afraid to spend a little money on, you know, uh, in an otherwise inefficient way if it means they have the potential to have, you know, an asset. You could look at, they've spent over a million dollars on Daniel Nunez and Julian Fernandez to be Rule 5 <laughs> picks, having Tommy John surgery in spring training and spend the whole year on the Major League, you know, roster. They, they've, uh, you know, they've had Jalen Davis, who, who really hasn't shown a whole lot of flashes of being a successful big leaguer. And, you know, there's a long time that he spent on the, major league uh, injured list where he's making major league money. And Tyler Beatty, same thing. I mean, they, they've carried a lot of guys on the 60-day IL where they're paying them big league money uh, to basically just rehab or, or not do a whole lot. So, you know, as much as I think this front office really has prized efficiency in a lot of ways, uh, finding talent in, 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 uh, in inexpensive ways, you know, they're not afraid just to throw a little money down a hole if it means that perhaps down the line they have a player who could end up being pretty valuable. And, um, you know, I guess that's sort of one of your 
longer play bets. You know, you don't mind losing a little pocket change here and there. Uh, but that that does add up. And I think if you're a team like the the Rays, you, you probably don't do that. Uh, if you're a team like the A's, you probably don't do that. And and that uh, that's where you know maybe it, it does help uh, to have the purse strings be a little looser in San Francisco. But like you said, I mean, you know, the, we, we go to Atlanta, we go to some of these other cities, and, and they're drawing 30,000 plus, and the Giants are just not drawing. And there's a whole host of reasons for that. I, I don't think you blame the fans at all, especially right now. Um, you certainly don't give them a thumbs down. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know you, you know that the Giants are probably not raking in the bucks right now. And um, But I, I do expect that they're, you know, they're, they're going to support uh, the moves that Farhan and, and Scott Harris sort of uh, um, prescribe, and, and I do think they're going to have all the wherewithal that they need to to fill out next year's team and, and have the payroll to do that too. So that 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 is a positive. That that's definitely a feather in their cap that a lot of teams don't have. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One thing when I'm going through my, my look of Quintana is, okay, when you got a pitcher who's struggling like this, why? And with uh, Kevin Gosman, it was, well, you know, maybe his pitch selection wasn't the best. Maybe if you just get him to throw this pitch more, that that's going to be the, the secret. With uh, Desclafani, maybe it's a mechanical thing. It's... Uh, but when the stuff is there, that's just that's the biggest red flag out of the way. And Quintana's fastball is basically the same as it's been since 2015. He's not throwing softer. His bat missing ability is right up there. He's missing more bats than ever. And part of that has to do with uh, every pitcher is missing more bats than ever, but he's still getting swings and misses, still getting a ton of them. And what we have, it's about 60 innings of evidence that he can't pitch anymore. Uh, When you have 1500 innings before that, that said he was pretty darn good. So I think it's a good value play. I think it's, it it made a lot of sense of the deadline. Actually, I I wrote about a little bit uh, before the deadline as something that that made sense. And I think it definitely makes sense now if all you're paying is the money. And you know what else? I think the Giants front office probably went back into your archives and, and read the piece that you wrote uh, predicting that Quintana could be one of the best free agent fits for the Giants. And and they thought, you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead and let him get all the bad ones out of the way with the Angels and then we'll take Grant's advice. So, you know, that just... Par for the course. You're right. We just had to wait a little bit longer for this one. Oh, man. I In January, I wrote about this one, and I ranked all the free agent starters available to the Giants. And it was like Alex Wood was one of the top five. Uh, Adam Wainwright was one of the top five. Carlos Rodon was one of the top five. And he's probably going to get Cy Young votes. Uh, one of the misses was, was, was Chris Archer, but the Rays signed him. So that made me look smart by proxy. Like, I was rolling, and that's exactly the kind of article that I should tweet out every couple weeks and say, haha, look at how smart I am. But the number one starter, the best free agent starting fit for the Giants was Jose Quintana. And I blew it. I blew it. He wasn't. He would have been a disaster. The Giants would already be in second place if they had signed. <laughs> but did, where did you have DiSclefani or had he already signed by now? He had already signed. That was, I think, I, I was on that horse for quite a while just because he, it just seemed like it's that same kind of paradigm where it's, the stuff is there. You're looking at it. You're watching pitch after pitch, trying to see what's different. Why is he bad now? And you can't find 
it. And at some point, you got to say, maybe he's not bad now. Maybe he's actually pretty darn good and his star is ascending. Yeah, well, um, so basically, I think where we need to do is fast forward to um, what's going to happen next, Grant? <laughs> I don't know, man. This is <laughs> this is a mess. I mean, it's... I, I think if there were uh, a minor league season last year, you would have guys like Sean Jelly. You would have uh, maybe, I don't know, like a Matt Frisbee would be a stretch. But there might be guys who, with the benefit of a minor league season last year, might be you might be more comfortable folding them in to get some starts, some spot starts, some long relief this year. The Giants just don't have that guy. They don't feel comfortable with anyone. You have Tyler Beattie really you know, struggling, uh, and understandably so, after Tommy John, his his command wasn't great before. It's certainly not great now. You just don't have that upper minors depth that you might have had with a full minor league season. So it's got to be, you know, Quintana. It's got to be uh, Matt Shoemaker, Logan Andrasik. Uh, you know, you have to start scrambling. And considering the competition and everyone's kind of in the same boat, I think the Giants have done pretty okay building like the bare minimum of depth. Yeah, no, I, it's it's been, you know, an unrelenting search for that depth. And, uh, you know, but, and it's always is a tricky puzzle too because you're constrained by all the different roster rules and how many people you can stash and in what places and you know I think that's probably one of the biggest creative challenging maybe fun parts of being a front office executive these days is you know finding creative ways that you can you know squirrel away players that you like that could help you at some point and and being right on your evaluations and you know one of the things that really stayed with me from when I had a long sit down with Scott Harris a month or two ago or I, I have no concept of time it might have been two weeks it might have been three <laughs> months ago um is is you know he said that that he and Farhan will text each other at two in the morning when there's a double a reliever from some other organization that you know several months ago they had identified as someone that they might like to get and they weren't able to get him maybe he stayed with his organization maybe he went somewhere else but he was having success in the big leagues and they kind of feel like yeah we we were right on that guy you know <laughs> the the validation is is a little bit addictive and um and it's something that uh, that kind of drives them a little bit too, because uh, you know your process is good. So um, yeah, I, I think that that's probably one of the most fun parts of being a major league executive is how can we protect as much of our um, depth and as much of the players we like as, as we can, and how can we go out and, and and you know raid the village elsewhere? Because yeah, you see the Giants are still claiming players; they're still trying to do things with that fortieth spot. Um, in the 40 man roster. And, and I don't think that's going to stop even if, uh, even if they do, you know, find a way to be a sustained, have a sustained successful run here. And one of the things that they proved fairly early on, look, we can find position players. We can find Mike Yastrzemski. We can find Donovan Solano. We can find Alex Dickerson. That was, okay, they checked that box. We can find Kevin Gossman. We were right about Drew Pomeranz. Desclafani, okay, they checked that box. What was missing before the season was they didn't have those relievers, that bullpen that they could just pluck out that other teams seem so good at doing like the Rays where they're just taking a big wide net and scooping up all these relievers and getting a lot of good innings out of them. The Giants have done that this year. That's kind of like the last box they had to check. And they've got Dominic Leung. They have uh, Zach Littell. They have Jay Jackson. You know, John Brebbia looked excellent when he came back up for a brief spell. So they've got that part down. And I, that was the last spot. Contractually obligated to throw Jose Alvarez in there because his numbers are the craziest. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was even, I was watching Jackie Bradley Jr. pinch hit for the Brewers the other day. And his 174 average was gleaming on the scoreboard. 
and I thought that was the guy that so many people thought made the most sense for the Giants. I thought he made a lot of sense for the Giants. I didn't think they had anybody who could really play a plus center field. Obviously, you know, maybe you're discounting Steven Duggar's ability to be a major league contributor after seeing him for a couple years without a whole lot of evidence that, that he would be someone who they would give a lot of plate appearances to. And and it turns out that it we had the junior part right. It was just Lamont Wade Jr. Um, <laughs> who was going to be the outfielder who would you know, crush it and, and, and make a big impact. So, yeah, you know, it's it's the one thing I'll say for them is they sometimes they'll make the obvious move. Tommy Lastella, I think, was an obvious move just because you know what they value. Um, but a lot of other moves that you would think or that would appear in a Jim Bowden column as the obvious move is not what the Giants do. That's just not where where their heads are at. Um, and I think you got to give them credit because we've covered a lot of you know past administrations where we knew the obvious move was to get Mark Melanson, and they got Mark Melanson, et cetera. And you know, this 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 front office will surprise you sometimes. Yeah, I remember when it wasn't a matter of should the Giants sign one of Johnny Cueto, Zach Granke, or David Price. It was which one will they get? Sometimes the moves are that obvious. Uh, less so now, but in a, a lightning round, if the Giants were to have to play a wild card game, which I, I don't want to sound defeatist, I just it's a, I would have asked the same question last week. If they have to do a win now, one in your in game, is Logan Webb that pitcher now? I think I think I think Logan Webb is one of those pitchers. Okay. I think they would throw the kitchen sink at somebody. I think they could use both Gosman and Webb if they're rested. But, you know, the one positive thing of if the Giants are the wild card is you almost – this is the way I think about it. Of course you want the Dodgers to uh, – the Giants to win the division. But I think the worst-case scenario is if they get to the final weekend and let's say the Padres have opened up a little bit of a lead over um, – you know, the the Reds or whatever, and they can kind of set up their pitching and get the pitcher they want in that wild card game. Or the Reds uh, coast in over the Padres and they're able to set up Castillo or whoever they want. If the Giants are in that final weekend and it's still neck and neck with the Dodgers and they're expending all their resources to try to win the division, then that might leave them in a less advantageous spot for the wild card game. I think we can call this one... Um, uh, maybe hurdles dilemma. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was just I was just searching the 2014 Pirates as you were talking. Right. So th- we know what happened to the to the Pirates uh, in in 2014 uh, or 20 no 20. Wait, I, uh, now I'm completely crossed up. Was that that was 2014? Yes. Yeah, 2014. When on the final day of the season, they're still trying to uh, get into win the the Central, and the, on the last day of the season, they started Garrett Cole who was transcendent against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then the, the, the Cardinals, I believe it was the Cardinals won. And so they clinched the division and then Garrett Cole was not available to pitch against uh, the Giants in the wildcard game. And you got Edison Volquez, which to be fair, Edison Volquez was on a really good run at the time. But he I was. think if you asked anybody in the Giants clubhouse who they would have rather faced, it would have been Volquez and not, and not Cole. And, and that's basically, that that's all the evidence you need to be able to answer the question of, well, who should the Pirates have pitched in that game? you pitch the person that your opponent least wants to face. Uh, and, and that would have been Garrett Cole. So Clint Hurdle tried to to keep alive the the possibility to win the division. And, and, and also keep in mind that they would have had to play another game in a playoff uh, with, with the Cardinals if they had forced that, that uh, divisional tie. So you, you're almost you know committing even more resources to try to win that division. And I understand why you do that, but 
in, in hindsight, that just looked like a really bad choice. And, you know, you wonder what would the what would the Giants do if they're faced with that kind of situation? You know, they have to beat the Dodgers uh, or they have to beat the Padres in the last day of the regular season and hope the Dodgers lose or, or, or even if they're tied. Um, it's I mean, we're a long way from all that happening, but it, it is kind of fun to look ahead and think of some of the potential permutations. I got to say, I'm looking through this box score, uh, this final day of the regular season for the Reds and Pirates in 2014. It is a fun box score. The losing pitcher for the Pirates won Tony Watson, who gave up two earned runs in relief to blow the save. Uh, he His one, one loss record that year was 10-2. and two. That oh. is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, that's just weird. The winning pitcher for the Reds, uh, a young man by the name of Johnny Cueto, who pitched eight strong innings and finished 20-9 and nine on the season. Like, this is filled with Giants legends. You have Andrew McCutcheon, Chris Stewart, uh, Zach Cozart. I mean, that's a Giants legend right there. So I, I, I encourage everyone to go take a spin down memory lane. Wow, this is like all all worlds are, all roads are coming together here. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, but anyway, I guess my, my greater point is if the Giants get to that, if they are the wild card team and they know in advance that they're going to be the wild card team and can really set up their pitching, I do think Webb is the guy who starts that game. But I wouldn't put it past them to even, you know, if you got to win to get in, then you got to throw everything you can at that game. And and that's, I think, uh, what we learned from the Bruce Bochy era is, you know, you just throw everything you have and you worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. You just want to get to tomorrow. That's the goal. And I think it would be fascinating to watch Gabe Kapler manage in the postseason because that's one thing that he has obviously not done. And it is a huge test. It's a huge test of, of managerial skill, I think. And, um, you know, we've seen it play out where Bruce Bochy just, you know, pushed all the right buttons and, and people had faith that he was pushing the right buttons. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that you know, th- there's been a lot of confidence in Gabe Kapler from, from the players in the clubhouse that he's putting them in good positions to win. You know, I even look at, at, at the 6-2 to loss to the Brewers. And at one point he had Darren Ruff uh, on, on deck to pinch hit. And when the batter uh, made an out, uh, he replaced uh, Ruff with uh, Austin Slater because he figured Slater would have a better chance of, of drawing a walk, which he did. Um, you know, uh, and, and we've seen that play out. That happened again when uh, he, he pinch hit Kirk Casale uh, for Alex Dickerson. And you think, oh, gosh, that's not a great play right there. But, um, you know, he gets the righty on lefty matchup and he gets a guy. Casale does, does draw a lot of walks and sees a lot of pitches. And that's what they need as base runners right there. So you, you save your big Yahtzee play with, with Darren Ruff, you know, maybe putting one in the seats for when perhaps you can get a runner on base for him. So I, I really do think that there's a big time method to the buttons that, that Gabe Kapler has pushed. And it's worked out a lot. It worked out in Oakland when he got Slater to draw a walk in front of Donovan Solano's pinch home run. So um, I, I'd be really fascinated to see, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler navigate through a postseason series and, and uh, you know, and, and obviously he's working in concert with their analytics team and, and, and the front office. And I think a lot of those decisions are probably made in concert with him or above him, and he's executing them. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're, we're going to get to see the Giants in the postseason. We, we know that comfortably. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's probably 
kind of a cool, comforting thought as you're going through uh, what is otherwise probably the choppiest little uh, portion of, of the season right now. Yeah, it'll be fascinating because the Giants have five starting pitchers they should have some confidence in if they're right and healthy. And you generally don't need five starting pitchers in a postseason series. So they'll get to play around. Maybe it's Alex Wood who is in that Kente Maeda role. Maybe it is uh, Johnny Cueto. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating, but we'll we'll figure it out and we'll have a lot of time to talk about it. Um, this has been episode 158 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will not be back on Thursday, which is tomorrow uh, because of the day game. Monday's going to be Labor Day, so it's going to be a while before we're in your ears again, but at the same time, we'll have a lot more to talk about when we get back, and we'll figure out what in the heck the Giants have done. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.